Welcome back to Who the Hell is This For? Today we are talking about uncut gems and staying in character with that. We are all going to be talking over each other for the entire 45 minutes of this pod. Better believe Uh, it, baby. (laughs) How are you guys doing? Doing good. Uh, It seems like you guys aren't nearly as hungover as you anticipated for this This podcast. Yeah, I just hide it well. Oh, and it's got to be the Diet Coke getting you through this. Nothing better for your immune system than a Diet Coke at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> I had a single Mai Tai and one beer while watching this movie. Actually, the Mai Tai was with dinner. I made some ribs yesterday. I oh, really thought fantastic. you were going to say this morning. I <laughs> had one Mai Tai and a beer this morning before <laughs> recording. Just a classic morning Mai Tai. I'm on island time. I just exude island time. <laughs> All right. Uh, what have you guys been watching since we've uh, been under lockdown? Still under lockdown. Well, shelter in place. Everything's still essential. I have a pretty big list. Um, we have watched The Hunt, um, which I thought was pretty good. Like, I think there, I get why people would maybe be upset by it, but I thought it was great. I don't think it was any more upsetting than anything else. Um, we watched Invisible Man, which fucking slaps. It is oh, so good. Oh, I can't good. wait to watch it. That's probably that's going to be hard to unseat as my movie of the year. I know it's really early, but that's it's going to be up there for sure. There may not be any other movies this year. Right. So. Yeah, de facto winner. Um, we started Would You Rather yesterday. Have you seen Oh, it's that very time? bad. It's awful. It's it's <sighs> I, I think I went into it thinking it was going to be a horror comedy because I looked for movies that were similar to Ready or Not because that's like mm-hmm. that's like extremely the niche right now, and uh, it's just fucking mean. It's just Saw with all of the pain and none of the like creativeness. You know what I mean? And it's just like it's not very exactly no creativeness. There is no heart to it. There's no nothing cool happens. It's just right. like, and it sucks because you have Stuart Gordon who. So the guy running everything in Would You Rather, that's the dude from Reanimator. Okay. Um, which, so, like, that's really cool. And I like that they brought him in and got him involved, but, like, it's just, like, drown yourself. Cut a razor blade. Cut your eye open with a razor blade. It's just, like, yeah. they, but why? The ending, the ending is okay because it's a super mean ending. But other than that... It's just, it's not worth the ride it takes to get there. There's, I have to have like a little bit of levity in, in my horror, which is something mm-hmm. I've learned about myself. Like if there's not any light or room to breathe or anything, like I just, I have a hard time with like the really extreme dourness sometimes of those movies. And that's how I felt about that one. So would not recommend for sure. Yeah. How about you guys? What have you been watching? Oh man. Uh, you been a horror Kate- kick. Yeah, introduced Caitlin to a lot of horror movies. Uh, she likes some of them. She likes John Carpenter movies, so... Hell yeah. We're good there. Uh, Evil Dead did not... The Evil Dead franchise did not sit well. <laughs> you know, I, I, owe a public ap- I owe a public apology to Caitlin for convincing her to watch the reboot by saying it was Texas Chainsaw was too extreme and she you guys should just watch the Evil Dead reboot from 2013. Yeah. That was mean. <laughs> she had to bow out of that one, but that's okay. 
Um, but I enjoyed it. Uh, what else have we been watching? Oh, we started. Oh, well, I guess Jeff, we watched. Uh, oh God, what was that show? The Survivor dating show. No, the dating show on Netflix. Oh, Love is Blind. Love is Blind. We oh, binged yeah. that. Yep. That was that was something. It's an experience. Oh, yeah. It sucks. It's, what else? It's not else something I would necessarily like recommend, but it's like great to be it's aware good of. It's TV. Yeah, it's yeah. great to be aware of. Yeah. Um, we obviously watched Tiger King, like the rest of the nation. Also, not a fan. Yeah, it's. A, yeah, I liked it. Um, I think they have an extra episode coming out today. Um, and then w- recently we've been watching through, uh, what's it called Ozark. We started that. Mm. It's very good. I have not gotten into Ozark yet. I, I, it seems like it's right up my alley, but I, for some mm-hmm. reason, the first two episodes, I just, I couldn't get into it. So I don't know if it, does it get like a lot better or were you hooked from the first two episodes? Um, I think I was, but definitely... I'd say once you hit like four, five, three, four, five ish, and get your allow yourself to be invested like in the gotcha. story and stuff. And there is one weird flashback episode at like season or like episode eight out of ten that really just takes you out of everything. Hmm. But we still have two more seasons to go, so gotcha. solid. I Jason Bateman's a good director. I really like his stuff. I just haven't watched. Ozark. Uh, I need to finish The Outsider. He does. I don't know if this is his choice, but wait, does somebody, he direct Outsider? Somebody, somebody in Ozark really loves the blue filter. And every shot I've seen of that show, <laughs> it's just heavily overlaid with blue. Oh God! Like that scene from In the Mouth of Madness. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I do have two other shows you both need to watch. Okay. What's um, your one? Survivor is on season 40. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> and it's a new little show called Survivor. It's it's a competition of all of the winners on all previous seasons. So you guys need to watch all of the previous seasons, and then you can watch the live season. All right. I'll be there by the yeah. week by next weekend. <laughs> it's an extremely easy show to binge, though. I just I want you to give one season a try. That's all I want you to do. Anyways, uh, also the challenge came back, which I know is not something either is one of you guys. Road watch. rules, uh, yeah. real world road rules. Basically, the challenge. Yeah. But now they're taking people from other reality shows, um, and they're on there competing as well. So that actually, we bought that season, so it's in the library if you are at all interested. But it's pretty good so far. I am not, but I might watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most polite. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm learning I'm not a huge reality show person other than The Bachelor. And sometimes The Bachelor can be too much. It it all comes down to the people because Peter sucks. And I I was a big big Tyler C. guy. So I really, I was just hurt that he wasn't The Bachelor. I think it's amazing that you love The Bachelor but don't like other reality TV. Because I would say The Bachelor is, for me, like way lower echelon. I think TV. it's because the others don't have Chris Harrison, who's just the evil being, mastermind. Yeah, first of evil all, mastermind. Also, being handsome and just like wow. First I of can't all, Jeff Probst here. was around way before Chris Harrison, so that's all I'm well, saying. Okay, the best all time. What are you talking about? Game show host. Hold on, best all time game show host is Kirk Fogg. Legends of the Hidden Temple, baby. <laughs> Would you classify The Bachelor as a game show? 
They, I don't know, because don't they say that Let they play won love the Bachelor? Game. Love game. Yeah, everybody's trying to win the Bachelor. Speaking of dating shows, did you guys see the oh, trailer no, for the new net for the new Netflix one? What is it? Well, I'm back. It's basically Love Island, but they can't they, have a, sex. But they can't have sex, and they can't they can't like touch at all. Like no kissing, no sex, anything. They Otherwise, get they get penalized money deducted. or something. Huh. Anyway, I, I assume it's it, probably like from their final prize money, but I like to imagine that they just have their bank account directly linked. <laughs> <laughs> that every time they break a rule, it's just coming directly out of their account. Yeah, it looks good and trashy, so I'm sure it'll be good. There you go. Should we cut these gems? Uh, well, I have not talked about what I've been watching. You keep doing that to me. Well, maybe I don't want to hear about I, it. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. Maybe I don't want to watch the challenge. Uh, but, uh, Sorry. Been been watching a lot of foreign movies lately. Um, Baccarat from Brazil is really fun. I like that one a lot. It feels like Isn't that a card game. Th- I th- <laughs> Baccarat is the card game. I think this is Baccarat. Uh, but it's a it's basically an homage to early John Carpenter. Like they have a school that it's Portuguese, so it's not one, but it's a different. Uh, different variation of the English name John. It's like Academy de Juan Carpintero, like uh like the whole thing it's just his name in Spanish and like that's the name of the school in this little village. It's all very much an homage to his type of stuff. Um and it's a little village with a corrupt mayor of the overall like or mayor or governor of the general province and then suddenly a like a group of like hunters and most dangerous game type people show up in the village and just start picking people off. And it's real. It's, it's fun. First two thirds are super tense. And then it almost hurts itself because of the climax just because it is a little lower budget and you know, a independent film. I, maybe it's independent. I don't know with the studio situation in Brazil, but it like, it sets its up itself up so well in the first two thirds that the very good climax is just like well I, I almost thought there would be more but I still really liked it I recommend it and then I've also watched Takashi Miike's uh, Blade of the Immortal and 13 Assassins both samurai movies one is like very supernatural and that's Blade of the Immortal and the other is um, traditional like band of samurais going to wage a battle and they're basically a bunch of retired samurais except for a couple who are going to try and kill the emperor um, because he's leading their country into war and so they're just trying to assassinate him in a village and it's like there's just like a 45 minute climax of them of just a big battle in this village that they've locked down and it's incredible so that one i really recommend you can find that one on amazon prime for a rental or if you get the Warriors and Assassins channel. I think that's it. Um, it's like three bucks on Amazon Prime to access that channel. Uh, no, it's Warriors and Gangsters. That's it. And it has 13 Assassins on there. Their whole channel model is really odd. Yeah, I agree. Didn't, yeah, they, now- ma- didn't they remake 13 Assassins recently um, with Stallone as the main guy? I think it's called Expendables. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Got him! Oh, man. I think this came out after Expendables. It probably did. 
But also, just like side note, uh, Takashi Miike is probably the most, the hardest working filmmaker in Japan. He has like a hundred different films, Jeez. and he's still pumping them out. Um, he's really pretty well known in the horror community. Um, he did audition, I believe. Okay. Um, and I could be completely wrong on that. Let's see. No, he did it. Cool. I was right. Let's move on. (laughs) I had to confirm that I was right. All right. Let's talk uncut gems. Jeff, do you have Rotten Tomatoes stuff pulled up for us? I do. All right. Give us that rundown. Okay. So Uncut Gems is directed by the Safdie brothers, um, who've also done things like Good Time. uh, And they've done other things too, but that's the thing that people know them for. Uh, Uncut Gems has a 92% on the tomato meter and a 52% on audience score. I'm surprised by that. That doesn't, no, that doesn't surprise me. Really? Hmm. I I think think this movie is off-putting to a lot of people. I think I'm outside the zeitgeist on some of this stuff sometimes. Like... (laughs) I just don't, I don't really know if I have a good pulse for what other people really like, because mm-hmm. this is extremely my shit, so it's like hard for yeah. me to understand why people don't like this movie, but I get it. Uh, this movie, what else do we do for Rotten Tomatoes? It's got Adam Sandler in it. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, we look at, it, look at a few Rotten Reviews. Uh, that's right. Here, let me go find them. Da-da-da-da-da. Jaime Fada Lucas, possibly one of the most annoying movies I've ever seen. Full review in Spanish. No, thank you. I don't need to read the rest of it. Um, let's see. I should have had bad reviews. It's hard to find the critics one because there's just not that many that are negative. Yeah. Matthew Bond from really from the UK. In some quarters. This has been declared some sort of minor masterpiece. Me, I'd say it's hard to imagine a more uncomfortable way of spending over two hours in the cinema and advise you to avoid it, shock ending and all. What a dick to put that in his review yeah. at the very end. Yeah. Richard Von <laughs> Richard Von Busack, which definitely reads like Ballsack. Uh, <laughs> the Safties have talent. And if they'd cut this uncut gem, they'd get closer to the work they're emulating. Oh, my God. Uh, Well, I think there is no better time for us to jump into what we liked about this movie. And I feel like I've picked up on a couple things that this might be a light segment for Riley. Oh, yeah. This movie blows. Oh. I was not watching Riley's face when I was talking about that before. I would have picked up on that. <laughs> I'm going right. to get my fi- I'm get my film Twitter card revoked. <laughs> no, this is that this is what discussion is oh all about. God. Yeah, you guys go ahead. <laughs> I'm excited I'll, to have here, you tear I'll, apart a movie. I'll I'll chip in my it two, happens rarely, my, like, I think. my couple things that I liked. Uh it revolves around the NBA. Uh <laughs> Kevin Garnett is there. Uh we get weekend music from when he was good. We get a Trinidad uh, James cameo. <laughs> Trinidad James cameo. That was pretty cool. Uh, I think that's about it. All right. This is going to be a good discussion, I think. Yeah. Ty, why don't you go, go first? Ahead. What did you like? So I like... Oh, Christ. <laughs> 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 I, 
my cat is currently running along the ledge of the new podcast she studio. She doesn't really run. She like looks like she like gallops down. Oh the... yeah, no, she treats it like a racetrack. She she's <laughs> doing some horse racing. Um, but so what I really loved about this movie, first and foremost, people talk. They always describe it. Oh, you know, it's just a two-hour-long anxiety attack. But like they do that really well. But what they also do is there's a lot of time to breathe in between the really chaotic stuff. Because there will be a lot of extended shots of Howie walking, typically just Howie walking after something happens, and it gives you time to, like, all right, process, 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 but not enough time to fully recover, and then it spikes again. And I think that's really, really well-crafted, and more well-crafted than people typically have given it credit for. I would agree with that. I I came into this... um, really expecting like the world um i came with really high expectations and i don't know if it 100 percent hit those for me but i do think um there is more downtime between the anxiety than i was expecting um and i do think the last 30 minutes of the movie are like awesome um i really really like the the end of this movie um we're obviously assuming that you have seen this um when you're doing this review so um like the decision to have Adam Sandler die at the end, um, for me, like totally fits with this movie. Like this movie is not absolutely. Sp- it's not supposed to have a happy ending. This movie is about a view into this person's life. It's not exactly like the story of of Howard, although it kind of is. Meaning that this this film is like it shows the consequences of someone's actions. Like we're not necessarily suppose i guess we are rooting for howard a little bit but then we see his bad decisions and we're like yeah i guess that's what would probably happen like if you did that type of thing so um i don't know i thought it was really well crafted and and obviously a great performance by sandler um like i really did forget it was adam sandler for most of the movie Mm -hmm. in that you you treat it as a totally serious character um yeah I don't know, Riley. What did you think about that? Because no, I know I you're can, a huge. Sandler I can fan. agree with. Yeah, I can agree with his performance. I was. I thought he did really well. Um, I don't want to get too much into everything that you guys are talking about because they'll save it for the next segment. But All right. <laughs> um, Kevin Garnett better than I expected, which I had heard. Um, I thought KG was awesome. What they did with that storyline with him holding on to it because he thought it had some kind of power was not like on my radar at all. Like I was not expecting it. You know what I mean? Like there was a mm-hmm. very like underlying like sci-fi tone to this movie mm-hmm. that I, I really would have liked them to expand on, but that wouldn't have fit the movie at all. No, but I love that it's there. It's like the and power I... of belief, you know what I mean? More than anything. Mm-hmm. Well, KG's just a crystal guy. Yeah, <laughs> that that is what I was thinking this entire time. Just like this movie hinges on KG being a guy that's into crystals. <laughs> oh my gosh! I I thought that um, I want to talk about you. Kind of, it's a good segue talking about it with some sci-fi elements. The score here was unbelievable, unbelievable film score. It like. It is very prominent, which I'm fine with. I know it can be a little overbearing for some people, but this whole movie can be overbearing for some people. I watched it with Catherine, and she was just like, at one point, uh, she was in the middle of baking a cake. And so she, like, took it out of the oven, and she went and just, like, stood in the kitchen for a little bit. And she's like, this is just a lot. (laughs) 
Sarah's playing Animal Crossing the whole time, which I think is a good combo. <laughs> like, yeah. kind of even it out a little bit. But yeah, the, the score within the first two minutes, when it shows the opal and it goes in and gives you the title, that title card, within that two minutes, I was like, I'm buying this on vinyl. This is such a good score. And they included a sample from Akira, which is wild. I'm gonna have to go back and listen for it. I don't know if it's, I don't know that I caught so it. So when he's doing when he's doing the "This is how I win" talk to KG, and then everything after that, when it ramps up, it has the drums from Akira. Hmm. Okay. Which um, I believe it's from uh, Canada's theme. Uh, if you wanted to look that up, but yeah, it score is just awesome. And I think the sorry I. I'm realizing I have a lot more to say about this movie than I thought just because like it keeps coming to me. It it's very kinetic. The filmmaking is fantastic. The um like the close-up shots are awesome, especially the really tight shots on people's eyes that they do. Um they did a lot of that with Howie and then some with KG. Just really really great filmmaking. You know who deserves like a a shout out that I didn't really think she'd be in this movie hardly at all. Adina Menzel, like, yeah, playing that the the scorned wife role was like mm-hmm. like really good. Like I don't know that I've really ever seen her do anything other than like the singing and Broadway stuff. So I'd be interested to see her do more. I don't know, non yeah. non musical roles. It's wild that she was in this movie. Yeah, very believable. You know what I mean? Like I thought all mm-hmm. the character work that they did was was really good. Like. Um, also, having Arno be his brother-in-law was what a reveal. Such a yeah, wild reveal. Was, right? I had, no, like, just no... It's very rare, I feel like, these days to be actually surprised by movies. You know what I mean? Because you kind of feel like you've mm-hmm. seen a lot of things and things repeat themselves. And, like, that was something that, like, totally surprised me. I had no... Well, and then they very casually drop in that the money he owes Arno is the money he used to buy the Opal. Oh. I don't think I knew that. He, okay. he owes Arno a hundred grand. And then when KG is pushing him, he's like, no, you have my money. You have my money. Just tell me how much you pay. Just tell me how much you paid. And uh, he's like, you know, I, I paid 100 G for it. And that's the 100 grand he got from Arno. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, I hadn't picked up on that either. Yeah. <laughs> this and movie, so I really, I don't know. On the, on the Arno note, I thought the whole whole gang of antagonists in this movie arno and his muscle super super menacing Mm -hmm. um especially the the reveal of just arno himself when he like when howie runs out of the school and arno sees him and whips the car around and Mm -hmm. you like you haven't met him yet but you put together pretty quickly as you see him whip the car around oh this is probably arno that's super imposing just they're all very very imposing yeah the um the henchman that like ends up killing them both at the end like he i thought he was very menacing and like a mm-hmm. a super i don't know like a very new york villain yeah. you know what i mean like just a, <laughs> and everybody in this movie is is very i don't know a very unique view of new york for sure you know with all my time that i've spent in new york <laughs> <laughs> Small town folk just don't understand. <laughs> we could probably just 
end up ranting about how much we love this movie. So we can pass it along to Riley. Can I let him take <laughs> the stage for what what don't you like about this movie? What didn't work? Um, the first hour and a half. Really? Yeah. <laughs> this movie got a pause. How much of this fucking movie is left? <laughs> really? For me, yeah. And then, luckily, it was the last 30 minutes really saved this movie for getting any points. Um, thir- last Scores thing, are like, going to be interesting today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought, and I didn't find it, like, you talk about, like, I know the big thing is, like, this is a big, like, anxiety-inducing movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that at all. It was just it was just more annoying. Like, just people yelling. I felt like I was like this. I, I felt like I was an old man. I was just like, ah, oh, people yelling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with the yelling all the time. <laughs> you oh, blow God, out your just, vocal cords. <laughs> yeah, it's just, oh, man. You know, and, I am I am disappointed we didn't get a Bernie Sanders uh cameo in this movie i think that would have been just killer like he admonishes howie for just throwing his life away but yeah i just thought it was super slow i the last half saved it um what else i guess this have this could be just because i'm watching ozark and it's has it's similar in like our main character is in bat is in not is in bad graces with really bad people. Well, in Ozark, it's the cartel, so everything is way more extreme in terms of the villains. Mm-hmm. So I guess this was like a it like it was a downshift to what I see, what I'm watching now. So I guess I could see that they're like imposing, but from what I've been watching, it's just not. And that's I could get not that. against not against the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just where i was at when i watched it the stakes of the stakes of ozark are probably more death where you don't ever feel like how he's gonna die until the end like in one of the episodes this doesn't really ruin anything jason bateman is you watch him get his toenails ripped out oh Oh my god so when i see them like take howie and take his clothes off and throw him in the trunk i'm like oh well yeah It's lower stakes, but also I think it's more realistic as to what you're going to, like, if you, real life, you mess with the wrong people, you are much more likely to be harassed in that kind of way. Yeah. Like, if, especially if you're involved with people like this, who, like, they, they'll rough you up, but they aren't necessarily straight up murderers until that well, one guy and, just has enough of it. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with that it is family. Mm-hmm. So they weren't going to go too extreme until one went rogue and did what he did. Um, so yeah, really for me, yeah, it's just it was just a loud, uh, just an annoying movie. <laughs> also, this has nothing to do with what I didn't like, but I spent probably five minutes convincing myself that the guy that Julia flew to the casino with was not Michael Douglas in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> so. People have found that dude's Instagram. Um, he's just that guy. Like, that is that person. His name oh, is wow. Wayne Wayne Diamond, and that's his name in the movie. Apparently, the Safties, like, met him, and they just wanted him in the movie. And that's so awesome. they included him. And the guy he is in the movie is the exact person he is in real life. Oh, my God. Um, but kind of on your point about this movie and you just finding it annoying, as somebody who, like has an anxiety disorder 
like it i thought it was gonna really ramp it up but for me like watching it i was like oh this is just how i feel every day like this is the same feeling i get when like i'm given an important task to do and it's just like so i mean yeah it kind of does nail the anxiety point from that standpoint but for me it's just like yeah this this feels watching this feels like just going about my life any other day i think it's i think you're you hit on something that's interesting there because it's the anxiety within it is not the same as like watching a horror movie you know it's Mm -hmm. not the same kind of tension it's more like you i mean it's more like watching anybody you know in real life like make bad decisions exactly yeah and you're like you're like i know that's a bad decision and i think you know that's a bad decision and i don't really want to be here for the fallout of that you know what i mean but you're you're Mm -hmm. kind of i think the most the best way to describe it the most anxiety inducing part for me where i like actually did like start to just feel it coming like is when he has gooey at the auction go and drive up the price that is when i was the most like just like no 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 Mm -hmm. because like he's a good person he was like one of the few good people in this movie affected by what was happening yeah and i think because everything outside of that it's like it's chaotic, but also how he's completely gotten himself into this on his own. Right. And that's, I think, the thing that's interesting about this is you don't you don't exactly feel bad for Howie, right? Like, it's not the same as, like, watching... Not at all. ...a heroic character overcome something. And that's where you kind of, like, you don't really know, like, you're not really rooting for him, but you kind of want to see things turn out okay. I don't know. It's a very interesting in that... Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think you just get invested system. in... It's like watching a heist movie. Because he has all these intricate plans and you want to see if these bets work out and all of his pawning and buybacks and things like that. I think that's really engaging. But the you don't care if it works for him. You just want to see it happen within the story. Right. Riley, what else about this war did you have problems with? Because I think we're going into what we like again. No, yeah, yeah that's we- fine. I, I think I got everything off my chest. And then let's go ahead and move into standout scenes. Um... I'm gonna. So I think the ending. Oh, I for, I'll bring this up in the things I didn't like, uh, okay. or the scene I didn't like. Okay. So I think the going. ending for me is the clear winner. So I'm gonna choose something else to speak about, which is that I think when the reveal that Arno is his brother-in-law, like the dinner where there's kind of the underlying tension, and he kind of knows he like he can't do anything to him there, so he gets a little bit brave and like says some shit to him in the bathroom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That yeah. was so to me like very powerful to like expand the um i don't know expand the web of people who could be fully impacted by howard right Mm -hmm. or then you realize like well what would arno do because that's his family too but then like you and i mean like what would he do to like put pressure on him type of thing i think that's a very interesting for me that was a really good scene yeah i'm i'm with you on that i am trying to think i think my favorite scene is probably when they um is probably when we meet arno for the first time uh when he runs out of the school and when one when he loses it on the dude and if you trace it back that's probably when how he sealed his death warrant uh was as soon as he threw that dude into the locker he was gonna die at the end of the movie um but i i think just the whole way it's very chaotic but really it's the action is incredibly clear and there's a lot of really good 
you feel like Howie is escaping in this moment. And then Arno picks him up and you have the scene in the car where he's talking about the swimming pool. You're talking about just all this shit. Uh, it's really, really imposing. And then they just strip him down and throw him in his own car. And you don't know if he's getting out of there or, not. or you know, he's probably getting out of the car. You don't know what's happening to him while he's in Arno's car. So it's all very up in the air and super tense. Yeah, that's why <clears throat> that's what I was going to pick as well. Would be the Arno first Arno interaction. All right, uh, letdown scenes. Jeff, you want to go first? Hmm. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if there's any scene that like specifically doesn't work for me. Um. Maybe some stuff in the club with the weekend like where they're having the confrontation i don't know with a uh, uh damani um mm-hmm. i don't know there was something there where i i would have had to make different character choices but i also think it fit with the movie too so I, that maybe that one but i don't really yeah. know yeah and i kind of on that i do think the the scene with him and julia fighting is really uncomfortable but also like it's supposed to be it's the, it's not a good situation, but it's filmed and created very well. Um, so I, I can't give it to that. Just it adds to the whole just uncomfortability of that entire scene. I think there's something. Sorry, I know this is getting to what the movie does well again. I think there's something <laughs> unique about these personalities that, depending on how close your personality is to it, that is so interesting. Like I think this idea of people who have these huge blow up fights that are very loud and people say like the most fucking hurtful shit to each other that they could possibly think of. And those people ever reconcile ever again is so like wildly weird to me as like a person. Yeah. You know what I mean? That like sometimes when it happens in a movie, I like forget that there are really people like that in real life. Like that's how they like, you know what I mean? Like that's how they fight and that's how they make up. And it's like a high peak in a, you know what I mean? But it comes back down Mm -hmm. and it's so different to me that sometimes when I see that in a movie, I'm like, that's not realistic and that's not fair because people, there are people that are like that and that's Mm -hmm. how they, you know what I mean? And it's, it's not good or bad. It's just really different. So when I was watching that, I was like, no fucking way. Like how can they ever get back together? Which is speaks more to like my own personal view on life than anything yeah. else, which is an interesting for a movie to make you do. You know what I mean? To, to think about like how different people are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think my letdown scene is probably when he gets the opal. And just because like it, him like going through the fish, everything like that. I think that's really, I like that. But the, the side character who's like quitting while he's doing all that, is an abysmal performance. And I imagine, like, he's probably not a big actor. He's probably just, like, some guy who's filling a role. But he, like, deadpans his way through his whole set of lines about him quitting and having enough and then repeats the entire set of lines, like, word for word. And it's just really hard. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that was not a inspired performance for sure. And it's, like, it's hard to really not this is what i wanted to talk about and what what held this movie back for me a little bit um was just some of the side characters outside of our main core just had some rough performances and i think they it's easy to overlook them just because of how quick this movie moves 
but they do enough to kind of pull you out of it and really affect the pace of this movie and your engagement because you have to be as Riley was talking you have to be on board this entire time for this movie to work I would agree Riley what about you um similar to what you said uh basically him getting the gem that whole scene of Kevin Garnett showing up uh just because everyone's so fucking loud and there's a million (laughs) things going on I just couldn't take it (laughs) And I know it, that's done, you know, that's a creative decision. Like, they wanted it to, to be like that. But, man, did that just not sit well with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. All right, Domhnall Gleeson Award. Speaking of, did you guys see The Ringer put out a whole article about Domhnall oh, Gleeson? Yes. Um, as Jeff said, uh, Bill Simmons, we are offering to sell our Domhnall Gleeson Award segment. Um, so this could be... Who the hell is this for? It's Dom Hall Gleason Award brought to you by The Ringer. Uh, so the just, Ringer! If you, if you pay us... <laughs> wow. Is who the hell is this for having a moment? <laughs> is this Apex Mountain for this movie? <laughs> take a look. Let me take a look at you. That's the wrong show. But first, <laughs> Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dom Hall Gleason Award for this movie. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. Uh, super talented guy. Could have just been in it more. Um, I love Lakeith Stanfield. I feel, I thought it, like when you started the movie, it seemed like he was going to be a bigger player and then he kind of just disappeared. I would have liked him to be more of the, I don't know, just more involved. I agree. I thought he was going to be like one of the main characters in the movie, and in, he's not really even in the second half. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I he's think very tertiary. I think my hmm, my pick for this is either either one of the main female roles. So Adina Menzel, we've already talked about. I thought she mm-hmm. did great. Julia Fox. Have you ever seen her in anything? Is this the first thing she's ever done? I th- think it might be i'm not sure though and i'm not uh, what i would say is i'm not sure that she has like a a great feature in like dramatic roles or anything but for this specific thing she was she like fit perfect this role for it. really well just perfect for it yeah uh yeah it and there are just a few things with her performance that holds me back from that but she overall i think was very very good i think when she's given some time to breathe on her own outside of howie that character really soars. Yeah, like oh. the, the the helicopter stuff and like taking mm-hmm. the money. You know what I mean? Like that was a dimension of the before she was very like secondary to Howard, and mm-hmm. then when she becomes her own character, I think she was really good. She starts having her own reactions to things, and her reactions are very natural. And like when when the Celtics win, it's like she like you feel a genuine sense of relief there from her, and that's right. really really well done. Agreed. Um, I so. I I came into this like before watching the movie expecting to probably give it to KG but he's almost in it too much for me to give him the Domino Gleason award because he just like he's essentially a secondary character at this point. Yeah. Um and I I think he really really does a lot with what he's given. Um he really sells just being like incredible athlete who also is just super weird and into this like magical power of this opal (laughs) i think he really nails it um 
But I also think where I want to go, um, kind of separate from what you guys have talked about, is Arno. I think Arno, with minimal dialogue and not a ton of screen time, absolutely chews up what he's giving and is a super, just super menacing guy. And is very, very, like he's this looming presence the entire time. Uh, literally, when he's in the uh, in the doorway and he's just sitting there staring at Howie, like that's so... It's so imposing and intimidating. Um, so I think he is, he just killed it. Like there are a lot of really great small performances in this that contribute to the overall environment. Yeah, I think the casting director for this movie deserves a ton of credit because it feels like everybody that's placed where they are like is a, is a perfect fit for what they're trying to do. I'm not sure, but I almost think just the Safties did the casting. Oh, interesting but I'm not totally sure on that. All right. We can probably go ahead and skip over quiz for today. Oh, but man, I was thinking, what crystal are we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ooh, no, we, we're, we're short on time. Another time. We'll just do it in a completely unrelated movie. Okay. But let's do who the hell is this for and ratings. Or is it ratings and who the hell is this for? I never remember. Uh, let's end on ratings today. Okay, that sounds good. Oh, uh, Safties did not do the casting, by the way. Okay. All right, so, because uh, I imagine this one might go fast, I'm going to go ahead and start it. Uh, I'm going to take Free Fire. If you liked ah, Uncut Gems, yep. Fuck. If you liked Uncut Gems, uh, you absolutely should watch Free Fire. Oh, man, now I'm going to have to think of... <laughs> That was like one of the only ones that I had nailed down. That I know, sure. same here. <laughs> Damn it, um, Riley. I'm like do you frantically have one? looking now. I do. I do have a basketball-centered movie that there's uh, <laughs> gambling gone wrong. That would be the movie like Mike. <laughs> oh damn! I thought you were doing another one. Um, Jeff, it's yours. Oh my god. Um, have you guys ever seen Rounders? Oh, yeah, with John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, Um, Just for the the getting in with the bad people um, and gambling aspect of it um, and trying to watch a character, like, I don't know, stop themselves from drowning, basically, I would pick Rounders. It's not quite as anxiety-producing, but it is really good. All right, solid. So, Riley, you gave me a great idea, and you're right. Like, sometimes you see a movie about basketball and you have – somebody who they make a big bet a really big bet somebody who might you know have a gambling problem like howie and uh <laughs> they go so far as to put their life on the line with this bet and i'm talking about space jam starring michael jordan it is uh, wild that that movie totally hinges on him betting you know what yeah, i mean it, <laughs> like it, that was the most blatant way they could have just like acknowledged that michael jordan has a gambling addiction even in the kids, maybe he can't turn it off. I know, like that—that's an element that he added. He's like, "No, nah, I got it. I got to do it. I can do this. I'm winning." Uh, you can hear more about our thoughts on Space Jam on our episode of Space Jam. <laughs> we dive into this even further. Riley, your turn. Um, I'll say another gambling one with the wrong group of people. Uh, I'll say Snatch. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> a Jeff Norris special. God damn it. We're just screwing Jeff today. That's okay. I have one more that fits this, I think. 
It's like we're playing Settlers of Catan. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, Snatch is a great pick. Um, I'm going to do one that's very similar, which is Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Ooh. Also a Guy Ritchie. Also about someone who gets in deep to the wrong people and has to do crazy things in order to make the money to get it back. Um, I have gone back and forth. I might like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels more than Snatch. I think I do. Um, I think I'm with you on it that. It goes back and forth, but I think Lock, Stock is, is maybe a little bit tighter. I, I think so. I think Snatch just has bigger name recognition. Yeah. Yep. All right. For my final pick, one of the most... Well, not until the climax, but there's a movie that has one of the most like chaotic 30 minutes I've ever seen in a movie. And I think it is very anxiety-inducing. And if you like what you got from that, or from this, you would like it from that... Go all the way back to our very first episode and Darren Aronofsky's mother. <laughs> I think that the like final climax in the house is a very similar to what we get in Uncut Gems. I would agree. An extremely anxiety-producing movie. All right. Uh, final this pick. Movie, this movie, uh, one of our main characters, again, gets in with the wrong crowd. Um, mainly... Uh, because of an element that he borrowed. Uh, this movie is Back to the Future. Uh, <laughs> steals the plutonium from the Libyans. The Libyans find him and shoot him. Is Back to the Future essentially just uncut gems? It's a sequel. <laughs> Howie McFly. <laughs> Um, okay. I'm having a hard time thinking of my next one because I keep doing like heist things. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you two. Uh, I think in terms of, um, anxiety and not knowing where things are coming and kind of the shaky cam thing, maybe some of the born movies, uh, born identity, um, maybe being one of the first ones among those. Um, and then the other pick that I would have is that, uh, I don't know, trying to make money by stealing things. Have you guys ever seen The Place Beyond the Pines? No, I need to watch that one. That's in the library. That's, that's Gosling, right? Mm -hmm. It's Gosling and Bradley Cooper and then uh, Ben Mendelsohn in in one of my favorite Ben Mendelsohn roles. Oh. Um, he's not, he's not like, he's a very supporting actor. Like, he's not in a ton of it. But um, just like greasy ben mendelson you know what i mean just uh so mm -hmm. that one's really good um again ryan gosling plays somebody who doesn't talk very much um but it's about someone trying to like rob banks and kind of the i don't know consequences i guess so definitely worth it to look all right all right let's wrap it up with ratings i think this I'll, is an oh, jeff go, ahead, go we'll go jeff me riley um this is an eight and a half for me um it could on a rewatch i think it could actually get higher um but just because of initial expectations of people being like this is this movie is a 10 it's one of the best movies ever i think it, it may be slightly under delivered but i still really really like it and i think there's enough subtext there to go back and watch it multiple times and really enjoy it all right so i'm kind of with you but the other way uh everybody's hype around this movie made me lower my expectations i was like okay like everybody's hyping this up it 
there is a chance I don't like it as much as everyone else. I loved it. I thought it absolutely nailed it. This is a nine for me. And what held it back from being any higher, like this could push nine and a half. What held it back from being a 10 is just some of those performances that really pulled me out and other elements. And I can see Riley's face and there's a reason I had him go next or go last. So Riley, what is your score for this movie? Ah, what a way to end the episode. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go five and a half. (laughs) Did you bring that up? Were you going to make it lower? No, I actually during the episode thought about bringing it up to a six, but I'm sticking with five and a yeah, half. Okay. I will not rewatch this movie, um, <laughs> and That's probably fair. won't, and probably won't discuss it much further. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the guys from the Unlucky Ones. Oh, shout out! They're now the House of Cinema, and they're bringing oh, nice. episodes back. But they're probably going to hear this and just get in the car and start driving to Kansas City. Or oh. <laughs> They'll be going to the wrong place, though. But they're going to come find <laughs> Riley and just dangle him out a window. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, overall, I think this is a really, really solid movie if you're on board for what it's selling you. And if you're not, you're just probably not going to enjoy it. I need to ask Catherine. I think she might have liked this more than Riley did. But... I think if you don't enjoy it in the first 10 minutes, you could probably turn it off because it, yeah. it doesn't change much. If, if you get through the KG scene and you're not feeling it, you will not enjoy the rest of the movie. Yeah, I agree. I, I think including that scene is a really good kind of barometer for just, will I enjoy this? Yes or no? Either way, uh, this has been another episode of Who the Hell is This For? And thank you guys for listening. 